0: I'm here in front of the New York Public Library of 42nd Street. And we're going to begin the journey for Olaf Jansen, and investigators. So uh, come on in, we'll take the tour together. Hi, I'm here in front of the entrance to the genealogy department. And here's where we're going to start our investigation. We're going to start to find out, was there really a man by the name of Olaf Jansen? So let's see what we can find out. Shall we? I'll begin our search by heading to the genealogy department, where I will look through border crossings, birth records, death records, and any information that can be found from the clues that I have received reading the book, The Smoky God of Voyage to the Inner World, in part one of the author's foreword, written by Willis George Emerson. So who was this elderly 95 year old Norwegian sailor living in Los Angeles for the past six years who had spent over a dozen years in the Midwest before emigrating from Sweden that summoned author Willis George Emerson to his home at two o'clock in the morning to share his personal story before crossing over in January of 1908. Olaf Jansen was a Norwegian born in a little seafaring Russian town of Uliborg in the eastern coast of the Gulf of Bothnia, the northern arm of the Baltic Sea. Olov's parents were on a fishing cruise in the Gulf of Bothnia and put into this Russian town of Uliborg at the time of his birth on the 27th of October in 1811. Olof's father's name was Jens Jansen and was born at Rodwig on the Scandinavian coast near the Lofoten Islands, but after marrying made his home at Stockholm in Sweden. In 1825, at the age of 14, Olaf made regular trips with his father on all fishing voyages. At the age of 19, on the third day of April in the year of 1829, Olaf's voyage to the inner world would begin he and his father sailed from Stockholm, Sweden, bound for the Lofoten Islands. As luck would have it, the lore of the Northern Lights the Aurora Borealis caused Olaf and his father to chart a course towards the North Pole. After spending two years with the giant inhabitants from the inner world, Olaf and his father were homesick. It was time to set sail and return home, but they had to pass through treacherous waters to get there. It was during the return trip that the sloop capsized and Olaf's father Jens was swallowed up by the sea. Not long after, Olaf was picked up by a whaling ship named the Arlington, commanded by Captain Angus McPherson. telling his story to the captain of the whaling ship about the marvelous discoveries made by Olaf and his father, he was put in irons. Returning to Sweden, he had been absent four years and eight months. The year now was 1835. He was told his mother had died the previous year. Upon his return, the property left by his parents were given back to him not long after telling the story in detail to his uncle Gustav Osterlin, a man of considerable property, Olaf urged him to help fund an expedition to make another voyage back to the strange land. At first, his uncle Gustav favored his project. Gustav seemed interested and invited Olaf to go before certain officials and explain to them, as he had to Gustav, the story of his travels and discoveries. Could you imagine Olaf's horror and disappointment upon the conclusion of his narrative that papers were signed by his uncle Gustav and without warning, Olaf found himself arrested and confined to a madhouse where he remained for 28 long years of suffering? Finally, on the 17th day of October in the year of 1862, at the age of 51 years old, Olaf was released. Returning home, Olaf learned that his uncle Gustav was now dead and the friends of his youth were all gone. Olaf faced with the reality of being a middle-aged man with the only known record of his existence was that of a madman. Picking up the pieces of his shattered life, Olaf instinctively turned towards the harbor where fishing boats in great numbers were anchored. And within a week, Olaf had shipped out with a fisherman by the name of Jan Hansen, who was starting out on a long fishing cruise to the Laffenden Islands. In only a matter of a short few years, Olaf was able to own a fishing brig of his own. For 27 years, Olaf followed the sea as a fisherman, five years working for others and the last 22 years for himself in the year 1889 Olaf sold his fishing boats and found that he had accumulated a fortune quite sufficient to allow him to retire and spend the remaining years of his life in America for a dozen years Olaf made his home in Chicago Illinois he then spent the last seven years of his life in Los Angeles California arriving there on March 4th of the year 1901. Then, in his latter years, just before he was ready to die, he told his story about the strange land, leaving maps and drawings to an author named Willis George Emerson to share with the world. The first question I asked myself, was there any record of Olaf's birth? I was unable to find any birth records. The reason being, Olaf was not born at home; he was born on a fishing trip in a foreign country, Russia. The second question was: There any records of Olaf Jansen entering the United States? No records were found in any of my searches in a New York public library. Yet I knew that Olaf Jansen had left his homeland and traveled on a ship to Ellis Island and docked in New York City with all of the immigrants entering America. The third question I asked to myself, was there any records of Olaf Janssen being in Chicago, Illinois? The answer was yes. I was able to find an address and information that confirmed that yes, indeed, Olaf Jansen had arrived and was living in Chicago, Illinois, and the date coincided with the information in Willis George Emerson's author, Forward. And there it was, a stroke of good fortune. On the 1892 city of Chicago, northern district of Illinois' record and index of persons registered of poll list of voters on the fifth line was the record for Olaf Janssen. His address, 304 Stephenson Street. Born in Norway, listed as being in America for three years and living in Chicago for three years, just as the author Willis George Emerson had written in the book, The Smoky God. then search for the 1890 census to see if Olaf Jansen could be found on the 1890 census an interesting sidebar here i will note that the 1890 census records are not available i then asked myself why were the 1890 census records unavailable I learned that the 11th U.S. Census that was taken on June 2nd of 1890 and most of the 1890 census was destroyed in 1921 during a fire in the basement of the Commerce Building in Washington, D.C. An interesting fact is that the 1890 census was the first to be compiled using a machine readable medium using punch cards and tabulated by a machine, a method invented by Herman Holbreth. The total population of 62,947,714 was announced only after six weeks of processing. The public reaction to this tabulation was disbelief, as it was widely believed the right answer was at least 75 million people in 1890. Almost all the population schedules were damaged in a fire and 1921, with 25 percent destroyed and 50 percent damaged by smoke and water. In December of 1932, according to standard federal record-keeping procedure at the time, the chief clerk of the Bureau of the Census sent the Librarian of Congress a list of papers to be destroyed, including the original 1890 census schedules. The librarian was asked by the Bureau to identify any records which should be retained for historical purposes, but the librarian did not accept the census records. Congress authorized destruction of that list of records on February 21, 1933, and thus the 1890 census remains were destroyed by government order by 1934 and 1935. Why would Congress order the 1890 census records to be destroyed, if there was at least 25% or more of the census available? If my estimation is correct, that would mean that at least 25 million records were destroyed. What was the government trying to hide by the destruction of the census? And all of this was done during the infamous first 100 days of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's first term in office. Then I asked myself the question was there any record of Olaf Jansen living in Los Angeles as claimed by author Willis George Emerson? The answer was yes. I found an address in the Los Angeles City Directory dated in the year of nineteen oh eight. Halfway down on the right page was the name of Olaf Jansen, listed living at 331 West 45th Street in California, just as author Willis George Emerson had claimed in the book. Another important question that needed to be answered was there a record of birth? Or a census for Angus McPherson in Scotland? The answer was yes. Angus McPherson was born in 1796 in Scotland. I was able to acquire the 1841 Scotland census that was taken which proved that Angus McPherson at the time was 45 years old. His birth year was listed as 1796. He was born in Inverness, Scotland and his occupation was listed as a merchant seaman. As I look back on this research, it never would have been possible had I not become fascinated by the story told by Norwegian sailor, Olaf Jansen, and decided to take the time to narrate the book and upload the video to my YouTube channel. And it was fortunate for me that I was contacted by a man named Chris Baird, a fellow Hollow Earth researcher, who insisted that I try to research the life of Olaf Jansen and try to figure out if the man truly existed or was Olaf Jansen, the man of the story, a figment of author Willis George Emerson's imagination? Are there any photos that have been taken that show of any polar openings in the North or South Pole? The answer is yes. Upon taking on this research, Chris Baird sent me these photos to share with you. The photos provide strong evidence for a hollow Earth and help validate Olaf Jansen's story. Based on the research I have shared on this video today, the evidence is very convincing. This is Stefan Sindoni at the Long Island Railroad at 34th Street, and my journey ends here with the train. I want to thank you for watching the Smoky Garden here. Until next time, Stefan Sindoni.